Welcome to another episode of I'm Really Into That Stuff. I am your host, Jana Stern. Uh, this is the very first I'm Really Into That Stuff episode that I am recording as a solo mission. I'm definitely missing Marina, but feeling really excited about this episode. I wanted to bring to you guys the understanding of the term collective consciousness. I noticed in listening back to some of the episodes that Marina and I had recorded, we refer often to the collective, what's happening in the collective, the collective consciousness. And I really wanted to dial into that understanding and give you guys a little bit more clarity and help everybody to understand precisely A, what it means and B, how you are contributing to it. First and foremost, I want to say there is no individualism. I know I just triggered a lot of people, but I really want to get clear on that. What I mean is that there is no you. There is no I. There is just a we. Each and every one of us have brilliant ideas and understandings, and I often say that none of us is all-knowing because We've not had every conversation with every other human being. We've not had the experience of every human being, and we've not read every book there is to read as individuals. Therefore, none of us can know everything that there is to know in the wide universe. However, collectively, when you contribute your knowledge, my knowledge, the people you know, the people I know, and then the billions of people in the world that we don't know, that creates a collective consciousness. It creates a collective understanding of what's happening in the world. And as our evolution progresses as a humanity, we begin to understand that the collective unconscious and the collective consciousness is evolving faster than it ever has. So when the pandemic first began almost exactly a year ago, and when the pandemic began, we started to really see conversations in the world evolving in ways that we had never seen them before. Leading up to the pandemic, we were witnessing the conversation around mental health evolving in really, really powerful ways. From 10 years ago plus when I was in treatment and you know, 30 something years ago when my father was institutionalized, we didn't talk about mental health the way we talk about mental health in 2021. We didn't talk about self-care, we didn't talk about trigger, we didn't talk about normalizing, you know, cutting yourself or eating disorders and understanding them from the perspective of trauma informing our decisions and our behaviors. We just simply talked about them as that's crazy. Age old adage is that there is a thin line between brilliance and insanity. And to me, from a spiritual perspective, this is really just an understanding that brilliance is about being able to tap into the collective consciousness and being able to pull into your physical understanding what's going on in the consciousness to a higher level and suffering from that ability because it can be very overwhelming. Anybody who identifies as psychic also, I believe, uh, has identified with some form of depression or mania or somewhere in between. Everybody I know who is 
really, really, really gifted psychically has gone through many dark phases. So we talked about Dark Night of the Soul in a, in a previous episode. And what I really want to bring into this conversation is the understanding of what the collective really is all about. Because there are so many different things that the collective is evolving in right now. And it's evident in so many different conversations that are being had around the world. And I think one of the most interesting things for me is that really is this evolution that's happening in each individual person that is being reflected in the collective. So I go back to talking about the beginning of the pandemic when we all got locked in our houses. And I remember people checking on me quite a bit. I was living on my own and, you know, we were locked down and we were not seeing people and we were not being physical. We weren't hugging people. We weren't touching people. We weren't getting within six feet of each other's, you know, space of, of the heart chakra um, auric field, which is six feet. And so people were really feeling a, a deep, deep, deep suffering. And I remember saying, I was made for this. This is what I was born for. Because I had the understanding that everybody is going to be waking up to the hidden unconscious things that they don't want to look at. And I've been looking at those things for the past 12 years of my life. And understanding my own unconscious, my own levels and layers of trauma and um, habits and behaviors and ways that I am programmed and then deprogramming myself in all of those different ways has really, really, really helped me to be able to navigate when those thoughts pop up from the deep unconscious, which they tend to do in moments of silence and stillness, which we've been sort of forced into for the past almost 365 days, that can be very difficult for people to sit with, for people to live with, for people to, to cope with. And so, you know, people develop deeper drinking habits. They develop, you know, more habits of, of watching TV and, and distracting themselves and smoking weed and doing drugs. And, you know, this is, it's become a collective suffering that's happened. And this is why I talk often about how these lockdowns have had heavy, heavy, heavy effects on our mental health because we're being forced to deal with all of these unconscious things within ourselves. And, the governments are locking us in our houses, but they're not providing therapy. They're not providing support. They're not providing any kind of love to us. And each of us is waking up. We've been living in a dark night of the soul for the collective for almost a year. And that can be incredibly traumatizing. I mean, we are all suffering a collective trauma right now. And it is evident when you spend one minute being kind to a stranger in the world right now. I go out of my way to talk to strangers. It's something I've always done. I was, you know, taught as a young child not to, and I never really fully understood why. And as an adult, I even less understand because I think that strangers offer such deep insight into what's really going on in the world and how people really are interacting. And some strangers that I've met have become some of my best friends. And I, at one point, everybody that I knew was a stranger and I have a lot of really wonderful people in my life. So I have a tendency to trust strangers, uh, maybe more than I should. <laughs> and when 
in 2021, you take a moment and you notice a stranger and you smile or wave or say hello or do something kind like open a door or, you know, whatever it might be, something little or maybe it's something big, you know, maybe you give change to a homeless person and, you know, you make their day um, just by offering a toonie instead of a quarter or a nickel, right? And when you do those things, you really see how huge of an impact it makes on people because people are desperate for connection right now. They're desperate for love. They're desperate for the feeling that they are not alone in the world. And that is what the collective has been suffering for the past year is this feeling of isolation because we have been completely isolated. Parents don't have their village to depend on. They don't have grandparents that they can drop their kids off at. You know, they can't leave, go somewhere and and leave on a date for a night. Um, You know, there are individuals who are living alone and they haven't seen people for weeks or they're trying to, you know, supplement the contact with one person here or one person there and making safe bubbles. But ultimately we are feeling this deep isolation. And As a species, we have quite literally survived on community. And this is because there really is a collective consciousness that we can tap into. Now, there are all kinds of esoteric, um, you know, tales that speak about, you know, strangers that meet in these sort of um, serendipitous ways and how it really is about tapping into that collective unconscious to be able to reach those people in those serendipitous ways. And, you know, I have some of those stories myself um, that perhaps one day I'll share with you guys. Uh, But the point to all of this is that we are all collectively going through so much. So when I go back to the idea that there is no I, there is no individual, what I'm really saying in that is that the suffering that you suffer and the suffering that another suffers. So perhaps one person you know has an alcoholic parent and another person has a you know partner that is abusive and another has children with um, you know disabilities that have to work through that. Um, you know, each one of us is going through something. And the collective something that we're all going through leads us to an understanding about the world. And so as numbers of kids with autism rise, we start to understand, what does it mean that there are this many kids in the world with autism? As, you know, and and same with mental health, we start to talk about autism and mental health and, you know, things of that nature with a different outlook. Because one in three families are suffering with a family member who has some kind of mental illness. My story is not unique. My suffering is not unique. My trauma is not unique. It's just mine. And so I, in my own individual consciousness, over-identified with it. I would identify with it and let it define every single part of my life. Every part of my inner fear was wrapped up around my individual trauma. And as soon as I started to recognize that my individual trauma is just, you know, kind of zoom out of my body, zoom out of the city, zoom out of the country, zoom out of the planet, zoom out of the solar system, zoom out of everything and think about my individual trauma, it sort of becomes a little bit 
insignificant. So this isn't to say that it doesn't matter and it's not valid and it doesn't have truth for me and it doesn't hold a lot and hold me back and it hasn't shaped me because of course it has and it does and it is. Um, but ultimately, when I started to understand that there was a much bigger consciousness than just mine, the suffering that I've experienced becomes so much smaller. So when we talk about the collective consciousness, we talk about a deeper understanding of the world. So when you have an aha moment, there is somebody who has a much deeper understanding of whatever it is that you're coming to. And there are infinite people who have less understanding than what you're coming to. And everything, I speak about this quite often, is a spectrum. Everything is just a uh, dot on the line from all the way light to all the way dark. There is absolutely no definitive gray that we can find, and there is no definitive consciousness either. This is why people who are in the spiritual community with big egos really turn me off, because you don't know more than anybody who's not quote-unquote spiritual, because spirituality in and of itself has its own definition. So when we talk about consciousness, there are so many different layers to that. There are so many different versions of being conscious. That might mean being aware of your actions. It might mean being aware of your thoughts. It might mean dialing into the thoughts and actions of others. Some people's consciousness are just simply that they're able to go about their days, get what they need to do done, and that's that. And other people, their consciousness is far more um, tuned in. It's far more dialed. You might say on the spectrum, it's perhaps closer to the light. Um, but ultimately, each and every one of us are contributing to a much, much bigger pot than we are aware of. So I want you to think about the earth for a moment and... Imagine that above the earth, there is, or sort of around the earth, there is sort of this bubble that we live in. And this bubble protects us. It keeps us safe. It, you know, creates the dynamic and the dimension that we all have been living in, where everything is 3D and we have a full understanding of what 3D consciousness looks like. 3D consciousness means that the apple is round, it means that the table is flat, and it means that, you know, I walk out of my house, into my car, drive where I'm going, arrive at my destination, accomplish my grocery shopping, come home and put my groceries away and live my life as such. That is a very 3D consciousness thinking. So 3D consciousness is pretty basic as it were. Um, and we are, as a collective, moving towards 12 dimensions. Um, and before I get into the 12th dimension, which we might even save for another day, um, I want to talk about fifth dimension consciousness. So fifth dimension consciousness is really about understanding that you and I can manifest absolutely anything by tapping into the collective consciousness and asking for what we need. Because in the collective, there are people who are 
definitely suffering infinitely more than I am, right? There are people who are homeless. There are entire countries that are oppressed by their governments. There are countries that are bombing other countries. I won't even get into that nonsense. But then there are also people in the collective who are making billions of dollars. There are people who are, you know, living very lavish lifestyles and having a third dimension reality that's very simple and, well, not simple, I wouldn't say, but very easy, as it were, and full of abundant things like yachts and mansions and things of that nature. So when I, as a person who falls somewhere in the middle between those things of, you know, infinite suffering and uh, lavish lifestyle, um, if I am hoping to tap into a lifestyle that is far more abundant than the one I'm living, what I need to do is start to tap into the consciousness of somebody who is already living that life and then live my life as such. So this is like, you know, when we talk about The Secret, um, you know, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, um, you know, any of those types of books, Joe Dispenza talks about this often, Marina's favorite, um, you know, we really can manifest absolutely anything because it's all available in the collective consciousness. And if we can jump out of the deep fear and programming of our own individual suffering, then we can jump into a manifestation of a life and a reality that is far more evolved than one that we've ever had before. So this can create a whole new reality for us. And when we really understand how the collective consciousness works, then we can absolutely manifest anything that we dream of in instant real time without even Try it. Jay-Z says, over here we measure success by how many people successful next to you. Here we say, you broke if everybody is broke except for you. That is really about understanding that if you are surrounding yourself with people who have abundant lives, who live lives that are in flow, that trust that money is coming to them, that, you know, live by, you know, they spend 10,000 instead of 10, you know, or a hundred, or, you know, they're spending a hundred thousand instead of 10,000 in whatever the context is, whether they're spending it on a party or they're spending it on a, a, a car or whatever it might be. Your consciousness evolves by the people that you surround yourself with. And the more that you tap into the abundant nature of the collective consciousness, the more that you will be abundant. So when we bring this into a mental headspace, not just about manifesting things, because that's all well and good. Money is a great thing to have. But ultimately, uh, you know, I believe that that paradigm is going to shift and we're not going to use money in the same way. We will probably move towards an energy exchange of you have something, so I will give you this for that thing, as opposed to uh, I will give you this money, because really money is energy anyways. But uh, when we're talking about the collective consciousness and using it to manifest happiness, which truly is the best kind of energy exchange that there is, when you, when you exchange joy for joy, there is absolutely nothing better in the world than that. So when you're trying to live a life that is more balanced, that is more happy, that is more 
controlled, that's less anxious, less depressed, less uh, wound up, then the idea is to understand two things, that A, your suffering is not the be-all and end-all in the world. When I was in treatment, I was very focused on my suffering. I was very focused on my depression, on my eating disorder, on the ways that I was having a hard time and that I wasn't sure I could ever stop having a hard time. And as soon as I made the decision that I didn't want to have a hard time anymore, I worked tirelessly to shift it. And I started to surround myself with people who also were working tirelessly or committed to their own joy and happiness. And I started attracting more people who were committed to their joy and happiness. And I started to live a life of more joy and more happiness. And anytime something came into my world that felt like it wasn't in alignment with that, I would just simply start to energetically reject it. And it became easier and easier and easier and easier to do that because I didn't need it. And I could tap into the collective consciousness of joy. And even though I could have moments of deep sadness or even weeks or months of depression, I began to understand that it really is an opportunity to just shift something within yourself. One of the things that really has helped the collective consciousness evolve is the internet. The opportunity for a stranger on one side of the planet and a stranger on another side of the planet to connect and have a deep and meaningful conversation on any number of subjects is incredible. And it has truly brought our understanding of what it means to be human in the world, not just in your own reality, to a whole new level. Because now my understanding of what is happening in Syria while they are being bombed is a very different kind of understanding than, you know, in 2001 when bombing all of the Middle East really got revived. There was a disconnect at that time. I didn't fully understand the suffering that was happening as it was going on. But now we can see the rubble. We can see the people uploading videos of their faces and their children. And it's not some abstract thing that happened years ago that we're watching in a history class. We are living that history and we are connecting with the human beings who are living that history across the world. And it's helping us to really understand that you have never been able to walk even an inch in another person's shoes, forget a mile. So the more that we have understandings of the world around us and the world outside of us and the world at large, it helps us to really be able to tap into the collective consciousness. So this bubble that surrounds our planet that sort of keeps us safe, um, that contains our 3D reality, is something that we all need to start to tap into. And the more that we understand that there is so much more to this universe than just what we can see, the more joy we're going to experience because then you start to look at each and every individual flower 
as a literal miracle that is occurring on the planet because the light of the sun has reached our planet at a specific time of the year in exactly precisely the just right way with the right amount of rain, the right amount of cold and warmth and evolution and growth and death and rebirth for this one flower to bloom in its entirety and then die. Just sort of like how humans do. We, we come to this earth, we bloom, we come into our full expression of ourselves, we heal, we help transform our lives and the lives of people around us, and then we die. And we leave an impact, we leave a legacy if we've done life, you know, to the fullest. Um, and there is something quite magical about that. And that really is what the collective is all about. And the internet has made the web of that bubble that surrounds our planet tighter. So now we can reach into that web and grab what we need that much faster. So in a 3D consciousness, we are really just sort of going about our business. I want to say it's really the like, leave it to beaver life. That's 3D consciousness. Whereas 5D consciousness is far more um, in the realm of, you know, if you're watching Disney Plus, uh, WandaVision. It's really in the realm of, you know, that create your own reality, build the world around you that you want to have the way you want it to look in the safety and security of your own mind and let that world flourish and grow and thrive because that's the energy that you want to extrapolate from the collective. And in turn, most importantly in this conversation, you then need to give back to the collective. And this is where being kind to strangers comes in. This is where doing good things for the people that you love, you know, making soup for your friends when they're not well, or, you know, bringing flowers to your grandmother or doing something kind for your parents or, you know, going out of your way for somebody that you care about or a stranger. It goes so far. My one girlfriend calls it getting your angel points in because when the collective, when the, when the conscious energy of our planet, the same energy that is making that miracle flower come to fruition when that energy feels that you are putting out the energy of love and light and beauty and joy and love, real love, like the, not just the fluffy love of love and light, but the love of, of, you know, like a mother to her child, just deep, profound love. If you're putting that out to the world, that is what you will receive. Full stop. It's that simple. So understanding collective consciousness is about really dialing in to that energy and making sure that you are filling your cup with that energy. And then when you go to empty that cup into others, that you are doing so with the same loving intention as you would want to receive. Collective consciousness in nature looks like trees. Trees do not grow on top of one another. You never see two trees side by side, you never see their branches hit. They never touch. They might come close and their leaves may graze one another, but trees do not grow on top of one another. They grow beside one another. They respect each other's space. And 
If you put two trees together, you'll end up with a whole bunch of little trees around them and eventually it will be an entire forest because that is the beauty of nature. That is the beauty of the collective consciousness of the trees, of the planet. In humans, it's the same. It is exactly the same. When you let people be who and how they are, then people will let you be who and how you are. And so when we think about the lockdown and the year that we have suffered in our homes, in our isolated energies, one of the most important things that the collective has been understanding is that everybody is doing this lockdown their own way. If you want to wear a mask with the people that you're with when you're walking out on the street, that's your comfort level. If you want to hug the people that are close to you, that's your comfort level. If you want to stay six feet back from people because you need that physical distance to feel comfortable, that's your comfort level. And each and every one of us is doing it differently. I know some families that are absolutely seeing their parents and, you know, relying on the grandparents to help them to survive through this pandemic. And I know other folks who are just saying, my parents are high risk and I'm not risking it and that's their comfort level collectively we are all going through this individually we are all going through it differently some of us have actually had COVID we've actually suffered through the disease through the flu that is being passed around and that creates different levels of comfort and fear some of my friends who have had COVID are more fearful. They don't want to get a second strain. They are afraid of getting it again. It was a very displeasant experience. They wish not to experience it again. Other folks that I know who've had it feel like they're X-Men. They feel superior, like they've had, you know, the immunity um, disease and now they are, you know, superhumans and they'll never get sick again. I've said many times a lot of my Jewish friends' parents are suffering in ways that many of my non-Jewish friends' parents are not suffering. And this is really partially, I believe, because they are one generation away from the Holocaust. And the fear that was wrapped up in that intergenerationally is certainly passed down. And the um, anxiety and the, uh, you know, desire to survive is that much stronger because there is a real energetic memory in our Jewish collective consciousness of not being able to survive, of just truly being persecuted. And that's not just from the Holocaust, that's historical from, you know, generations even before that. And we'll get into that maybe perhaps another day on another conversation. But all that to say, Everybody really is truly experiencing this pandemic in their own individual ways, just as they are experiencing their own traumas and their own lives, their own experiences in their own individual ways. And there is no right way or wrong way. Every coping mechanism is the right coping mechanism for you. It may not actually work and you may not like your coping mechanisms. Perhaps you wish you drank a little bit less. Perhaps you wish you didn't, you know, need a joint before bed. Or perhaps you wish you could, I don't know, meditate more or do something a little bit more um, quote unquote positive for yourself. But regardless, the more you allow your habits and forgive your habits 
the less you focus on them as being horrific and big them up in your mind, the more you focus on the collective, which is healed, whole, and complete. So I spoke recently on another podcast called Therapy Without a Degree, shout out to those guys, and Nat asked the question about, you know, how do we manifest world peace? And I said, we really can't because collectively we are all suffering humongously. And until we don't focus on our individual suffering and until we have peace within ourselves and peace with all the people around us in our periphery, we're not going to have world peace. And this is why tapping into collective consciousness is so imperative at this time, because we're all going through it. Not a single person in the world has not experienced this pandemic in one way or another. You know, friends of mine living in Bali tell me about their neighbor's who are the locals and they are suffering in humongous ways because their whole country has depended so heavily upon tourism and the world can't travel right now. There are folks here in Toronto who are living on the streets because there have been so many people who are just being absolutely heartless about the fact that yes, they own this piece of land and they're so intent on getting their money that they are literally putting people on the street. And that is a suffering that's happening too. And the disconnect that we are experiencing between humanity, it's going against the grain. It's going against the understanding of collective consciousness. And for me, I really hope that there is, you know, this movement towards understanding that each and every one of us is in this together. And as much as that sentence was thrown around so much in the beginning of this pandemic, and it really has been misused and of course abused by the corporations and the people who are at the top with so much money that are just calling the shots and don't really give a fuck about small businesses or human beings really, because the human beings are on the street and they're, you know, taking away their, their makeshift boxes that they're calling their homes in the parks and, you know, we are really suffering. We are really suffering. And this is because we are not acting civilly. We are not acting lovingly. We are not acting humanly towards one another. And that needs to shift. It needs to shift right now. It needs to shift right into the unconscious. And it needs to become conscious in the same ways that mental health has become a conversation in the same ways that understanding that humans deserve to be treated like humans no matter the color of their skin or what they look like, their body types, their their abilities, their genders, their sexual preferences, none of these things matter because each and every individual is experiencing their individualism and they are overly identifying with their individualism and that makes people suffer. So we need to let people be people so that whatever their peopling is, is correct. Person by person by person, not because somebody else validates it, but because by existing, you are valid. In the same way that the tiny little sprig below a tree is a tree, as much as the big gargantuan one above it is a tree. At what point do we start saying, that's a tree? As soon as it's up, as soon as it's above the ground. Yes, maybe it's small. Yes, maybe it's twig-like. Yes, maybe it's, you know, just a little 
tree lit, but it is on its way, just as every human being who is experiencing suffering is on their way. This is why I tell my clients when they are going through dark nights and deep, dark depressions, this is not the end. It's just the growing period. It's just the growing pains. And the more you tap into the collective, and that's what happens in every session with my, you know, with my clients, we tap into the collective. What is spirit asking us? What is higher source giving us in this moment to help you move through this hard moment into something lighter, more easy, and more full of love? So, I'm going to leave you with that, guys. I am loving that this is an opportunity for me to really just ramble at you guys. It really is one of my favorite things to do. Next week, I'm going to have a very special guest with me who is going to be uh, deep diving into some cool stuff. I think we'll be talking about sound healing. We'll be getting into some Reiki information. I know so many people have so many questions on what the hell Reiki is. How does it work? Does it work? Is it real? What do you do? How are you doing it? All that kind of good stuff. And I know so many people who've, who've gained so much from Reiki. Um, and also, I personally um, have been quite somewhat anti-Reiki. So we're going to get into that too. So stay tuned next week. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of I'm Really Into That Stuff. I really am into this stuff and it's so wonderful for me and I hope it's wonderful for you. And I look forward to sharing more information with the collective. And that means you each and every week. And I love you guys. Thank you so much.